Hear that? Believe it or not, summer is just around the corner. Luckily, Armorall, America's most trusted auto appearance brand, has what your car needs to get that perfect summer shine. Plus, now through May 31st, we'll give you $5 for every $20 you spend on Armorall products. That means car wash pods, protectant, tire shine, you name it. Find out how to get your $5 rebate at Armorall.com. Armorall, less work, more clean. Terms apply. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Thank you for listening to the late-breaking F1 podcast. Make sure to look out for new episodes every Thursday and Grand Prix Sundays. Hello and a very warm welcome to the late-breaking F1 podcast presented, as ever, by Sam Sage, Harry Eid and myself, Ben Hocking. We are, of course, reviewing the Belgian Grand Prix, I guess. It counts as half a race, so we're reviewing it. Um, plenty of action, of course, on track this afternoon. Some scintillating stuff. George Russell getting a podium. I can't believe George Russell's got a podium and it's the most boring race not, not any fault of his own, but um, yes. What do we talk about, guys? Oh, I mean, what a waste of my Sunday and everyone else's and those poor people that have stood in the rain. Just do it tomorrow, lads. The next race is only in the Netherlands. It's like driving from, from Cornwall to Devon. Just do it that Sam, way. content of the map of Europe. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, I didn't do geography past GCSE level, okay? It's, it only takes a few hours. I love how here to London is probably like here to Moscow uh, in South. Africa. <laughs> <laughs> right, I only ever see the map of one of those scooping school ones, so everything's the wrong size, isn't it? So, um, what, gr- what grade did you get in geography, Sam, out of interest? I did get an A, so the, the schooling system is failing us. <laughs> oh, that's even, I think that's the more worrying thing. Um, I mean, it it had some highs and some lows, isn't it? This this weekend had some great moments, had some rather painful moments. Well, I I think I, I feel like a curse because today was the only live running all weekend that I sat down to watch, <laughs> and then there was no live running at all. So it was all going well up to uh, up to Sunday. So I'm sorry, guys, that might be my fault. As as usual, it's Harry Eads' fault. <laughs> Classic. Something Harry's involved with it is wrong. <laughs> it all goes wrong. Uh, yeah. I just think it's one massive conspiracy because in those conditions, that's where Bottas tends to thrive and he probably would have gone on to victory and proved my <laughs> prediction correct from, from Wednesday. So um, I think it's just the weather conspiring to make sure that that didn't come true. I'm sure Sam it's would agree with that. It's God playing a trick. Yeah, yeah, I, I forgot to mention I am God and I didn't want Bottas to win again. So I've cursed Spa. And also, I mean, we're not going to. We would usually review our bold predictions on this podcast, but naturally, <laughs> there's not much to review there. But I will say it was absolutely hilarious that Harry Eade's prediction was that Haas would score points and it would have come true if you could get a fastest lap outside the top 10. So <laughs> Harry is yet again finding new ways to be wrong. It's impressive. Uh, well, I, did say, I did say Mick specifically, so I probably still wouldn't have oh, it's it true, then. yeah. But, but um, yeah, Matt's been uh, fastest lap. I mean, what a, what a way. You've won the Bitcoin 
late-breaking bold predictions <laughs> award for this weekend. So well done. Yeah, um, we should, we are now sponsored by Bitcoin um, after our uh, our love of cryptocurrency. You know, we're we're well in that field now. Um, we'll take money from I mean, anywhere. There is actually, because of everything that happened this weekend, there's actually still quite a lot to discuss, even with just a few laps behind the safety car. George Russell put together an all right qualifying lap on Saturday, so we'll discuss that one. And if it improves his standing for getting a contract next year. Uh, Lando Norris, of course, had a heavy shunt in qualifying on the Saturday. Um, we're going to ask whether that corner needs to change. He had the crash at Eau Rouge and Radion. Um, we'll, we'll discuss this afternoon's, I won't say race, I'll say event, because uh, I think that's a more apt word in this situation. Um, we saw half points awarded. So Max Verstappen, quote-unquote, wins the race for 12 and a half points. Uh, George Russell, he's got to be happy to uh, to take home, would have been nine points for, for him. Uh, and then Lewis Hamilton rounded out the podium. So, Sam, given the lack of racing that we saw, given the lack of any green flag racing, do you think that the rule needs to change in terms of how half points are, are awarded? Yeah, I 100% do believe the rule should change. I think you can go two ways with it. I think you either need to change the distance that is covered to require half points. I think to receive half points, you should ideally finish half of the race. Um, so if there are 44 laps, as there will be today, you have to have finished 22 laps of the race to, uh, to be awarded those half points. I think that is a fair way to look at it. Of course, there are conditions um, that are out of the hands of the FIA, as much as we all would love sprinklers attached to racetracks. It makes for a fun time. Um, you know, there are going to be wet races that the, the, the FIA, the stewards, the drivers themselves can't deal with. Visibility was horrible, as we saw. And maybe you need a different rule set. You can't always reach that 50% mark. So... I don't think any points, half points or full points regardless, should be awarded if zero green flag running is taking place. I think, unfortunately, you have to abandon the race or move it to a different date. I and mean, We've got space later on in the calendar now. Um, it will still be the same amount of races. We'll be coming back here and give it another go. But I don't enjoy the rule set that um, Max Verstappen has a win, Russell's first podium, You know, Lewis Hamilton keeps up with a championship fight. And they haven't done anything. They've driven around behind a safety car to literally just check a box that the stewards have gone, yeah, that, that means that we can technically mark this one down as done and we can move on from it. So I think changes need to take place. I understand it was too dangerous for any green flag running and I agree not to have run in green flag conditions, but I think therefore the race should have been abandoned, not just scapegoated into half points to show the, the fans a few cars on track for two laps. It just feels like a bit of a cop-out, and I don't enjoy it. If that ends up deciding the championship because of those points won here, I think it would be a little bit disappointing. <laughs> what, what do you reckon, Harry, about the half-points rule? Yeah, I mean, if Verstappen wins the championship by three points, that would Twitter will explode. Um, yeah, uh, I, you know, I think maybe I'm just exhausted. I'm not. I'm not particularly hugely mad about the the points. I think it's such an unusual situation. But I agree with what Sam said in that maybe they need to change the distance for when they when they are um, when they are awarded half points because two, two laps seems. I, we've never had that situation before where we've only been able to do two laps and they're not even two proper laps. So um, yeah, I think something needs to change there. And I guess they've never ever thought we'd be in that sort of position um, I mean moving the rate I mean tomorrow is fine for us in the UK because we've got a little, little bank holiday so we've got another day off but I guess logistically it's too difficult Zandvoort isn't the same distance as Cornwall to Devon so Zandvoort to Belgium is not the same unfortunately um, <laughs> so I don't know where that would work and, and I guess the slot in November wouldn't work because it would be snowing instead of rain and that would be even less fun um, so I, yeah, I don't know whether that you know it would just have to be abandoned, I think. So, yeah, so, something needs to change there. And, um, you know, it's the most George Russell way of getting a podium, isn't it? And, I, you know, his qualifying lap yesterday was absolutely stunning. We'll get to that. But, um, yeah, it would be that's the most George Russell way of getting a podium. I mean, actually, I think the m even more George, George Russell bad luck would have been he gets a front row start and then they cancelled the race entirely. But... Uh, he'll take the podium nonetheless, I'm sure. But um, yeah, I think something does need to change there because, and the and the way they started the race was entirely strange. I mean, they didn't start the race for ages technically, but the two formation laps, docking four laps off the race distance to start with, just didn't make much sense. Because normally when you would go, 
and then they'd have to red flag it or, or say that we can't keep going. So I don't know why they did it that way around. But um, yeah, I think that rule does need to change for for future events. Yeah, I obviously on these these podcasts we don't um, we don't swear at all, which is usually easy enough to um, to avoid. It's going to be more difficult to avoid here because I have no idea who on earth made up the rule that you can do two laps of running and get half points. It is utter lunacy. And and before anyone comes at me saying I'm a, a Hamilton fan or, or a Verstappen fan or I don't know, it changes every week. I can't keep up with it. But if, if you're saying that I'm saying this out of it being preferential treatment for one driver or the other, bear in mind that Max Verstappen gained on Lewis Hamilton by the amount of was it five points wasn't it today yeah. when in reality even if Hamilton in in a full race managed to get up to second and lost to Verstappen Verstappen would have gained more he'd have gained seven points so I don't actually think that the way it finished necessarily benefits Verstappen versus what could have happened but regardless of whether it was Hamilton in the lead, Verstappen in the lead, whether it was Russell in the lead, my, my thoughts on this remain completely unchanged. It is an absolutely bonkers rule that needs to be abolished as soon as possible. And as Harry has alluded to, in all likelihood, this rule probably won't need to be enacted again for another 10 years or something. But you never know. That's that's the reason a rule book exists in the first place, is, is covering off eventualities. And just in case this does happen next time out, I really hope they assess this. My, my view is is what Sam has said. I think 50% running to, to get half points. And if it's anything less than 50%, you, you don't give out the points. Uh, maybe you go as less as 40%. I don't know. But anything less than that, it seems a bit cheap. Um, and regardless of whether it's green flag running or, or yellow flag running. And, you know, we can discuss whether... <laughs> And we'll get onto this whether we actually think that the FIA um, believed there was a chance for them to get going again, and that's why they did the laps under the safety car, or whether they just wanted a result in the books. What their motivation for getting the guys out there again, we could discuss that a bit. But regardless of of that, the rule itself is just an embarrassment. I I, I feel bad, and I know he doesn't feel bad, which feels a bit weird, but. I feel bad for George Russell because his first podium should be one of absolutely unbridled joy. It should be pure elation from the side of George Russell to stand on a podium for the first time. He's been, until one race ago, in a Williams at least, he'd never scored points. And to get a podium should have been this this massive achievement for him. And because of the qualifying lap, it's not... It's not completely irrelevant, but it just feels it feels cheap. It, it doesn't feel like the joy that a podium should bring. I want to be sat here praising George Russell and being so happy for him in his journey from right at the back of the grid to podium. And I can't feel that way because it's a cheap podium. George Russell just has to take it as it is. And the team should still feel very proud of the achievement based on the qualifying lap. But... I kind of wish it was, It came under different circumstances. In terms of the afternoon itself, we obviously had the first attempt to go running, sat in the paddock for a long time after that, a second go, at which point they decided that it's not going to happen. Uh, we were there for probably about four hours in total or so. But Sam, do you think that this was run in the correct way? Do you think the decisions that were made along the way were in the best interest of the sport and the drivers? It was very hard to tell. It felt like every single person kind of muddled through, from Michael Massey at the top of the skewers all the way down to engineers and people sat on the pit wall to the drivers themselves. You know, you've got Pierre Gasly sitting there going, can I have a couple of sausages? I'm getting a bit hungry. To Danny That's Rick lying. saying that, you know, he's kind of a big deal around here if you didn't know. He's hit his 200th Grand Prix. And then we go back to Daniel Ricciardo doing a Mexican wave from the pit box. I mean... It seemed like there was endless confusion up and down the pit lane, all the way through every official. Toto didn't know what was going on. Christian Hall didn't know what was going on. We had four different opinions at one point from four different pit boxes, from different team principals. Um, 
The only consensus was that everyone seemed pretty certain that it was not safe to go racing, other than Max Verstappen, who sat at the front there without any spraying his face, going, I don't see what the problem is, let's go for it. Um, which was quite funny to hear that maybe he hadn't considered what everyone else might be going through, and he's he has done the job, I suppose, to stick it on pole, so why not enjoy that privilege of being on pole position? Um, but, I mean, in terms of how it was handled, I don't think there was anything drastically wrong with how it was handled, it just wasn't handled clearly there clearly wasn't a structure put in place there clearly wasn't a okay x thing has happened so we need to go down the x route of rule sets or or, uh, procedures or checkoffs before we can make sure that actually we're good to go racing again or this race is going to be cancelled again so i suppose in that case no i wasn't fully satisfied with how it was handled i'd much rather have got to a yeah we've got the three hour window it's still chucking it down with rain. The conditions are fine. Then we're going to end the race. We're not going to have any further racing. We're going to declassify the race. It's not going to be rung. End of. Um, so other than that, no, I wasn't too satisfied. It wasn't too great. It wasn't exactly entertaining. Everyone was a bit bored watching it. I had to listen to Crofty talking about his own swimming trunks multiple times and how he'd like to go paddling around in some puddles for a bit, which is a little bit strange to listen to. Ah, it was it was unpleasant. It was unpleasant. Someone I heard uh, thinking on Discord actually. If you're not involved in the Discord, the links in the description. Get involved. Discussed maybe um, considering sending out a set of stock cars that are much more comfortable and put up a lot less plumage, just to run around for a few laps and have like a mini race on the track. And maybe it should be something where local racers get to turn up and do that if the event ever happens. I know it's a lot of material to use and a lot of time to take in, a lot of money to use, but it might have cleared the track and we might have seen something happen, which would have been good fun. Um, yeah, no, it wasn't ideal. It was very boring. Everyone was a bit confused. And Pierre Gasly, to my knowledge, still hasn't received any sausages. So it's not a good day <laughs> for anyone at the, uh, at the Spa-Francorchamps track. Apart from the bloke selling chips and mayonnaise, he looked like he did all right. Hashtag sausages for Gasly. <laughs> that's, that's, that that's a bad hashtag. <laughs> what, are, what are you talking about? That, that, Get your sausages out for Gasly. Sausages out for Gasly. Yeah, that's even yeah. better. Let's go with that as the hashtag. <laughs> Not no. Unless you think it could be misconstrued, but I can't see where you're coming from with that. Um, what did you make of the afternoon's events, Harry? Uh, but the events as a whole, yeah, bizarre. In terms of how it was handled, um, yeah, it was... I, I don't think that, like Sam said, nothing drastically wrong. It was just a bit of confusion around the starting clock whether the clock was running an hour and 15 minutes in mclaren are like yo is the clock running and michael massey's like yeah do you not know that and they were like oh all right so we're like an hour and 15 into this race um yeah so that that seems a bit odd that they did do that and i guess we, now that we have that little feature between the pit wall and 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 michael massey that we we hear these things so maybe that you know does happen more often than, than we than we used to realize so um, yeah, apart from that, I think, you know, the right calls were made in terms of not sending cars out. Um, the events as a whole, woof, there was, there was some, there was some padding going on, a lot of, a lot of TV padding. Um, as Sam mentioned, Gasly was looking for sausages. Uh, yeah, I was interested on that stock car point. Imagine if you just had like a group of racing drivers in their stock cars, the, the just in case not some people people who just wait wait for these situations they're like oh my god it's our time to shine it never it never really it would never happen but um yeah it was a it's a i don't want to call it farcical because it's not really it's not f1's fault it's just just spa doing spa things but in a really 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 extreme way this year which is a shame and all the times we uh pray for a wet race it's like all right, we didn't mean that much. Calm down. Just, just a little bit, please. Just <laughs> a little bit less. This, no, next time, please. Um, yeah, it's a shame, but uh, you know, we move on. We'll have forgotten about this by, by MV. I'm sure. Maybe. Or not. <laughs> oh, yeah. Um, I, I quite often. Um, I won't say complain, but. I, I offer constructive criticism to the commentary team quite a bit and I feel like they could do a better job at times. However, I do massively sympathise with any commentary team today because I think even us three, I, well, 
even me and Harry would have real difficulty panning <laughs> out for four hours. I'm sure Sam would only be a third of his way through his material. Yeah, but... but it wouldn't, it wouldn't be a <laughs> That's the only issue with Sam. For us, 18 plus there. rating Sky Sports channel, you'll have to enter your ID first before you can talk to me. For us mere mortals, it might have been a, a difficult uh, one this afternoon. So I, I'm not going to complain too much. And, and actually, I think in terms of when they went racing and when, you know, ultimately when they didn't go racing... I understand those decisions and I think they made them right. I think when they were going around both times, first and second time, it was evident fairly quickly that this shouldn't happen. And I'm glad that they didn't just for the sake of for the sake of the fans, so I feel very bad for, but I'm glad that for the sake of those fans they didn't just say, Oh, let's let's give them three laps of green flying racing just to just to have something out there. I'm glad they didn't make a decision like that because that would have been completely uh, unfair to the drivers and reckless beyond belief so um I, I don't think at any point this afternoon it was good enough to go racing so i'm glad that that was the decision that was made um on the point of michael massey uh of course the uh, the director of the uh, director um at the circuit i i really don't think he handled it brilliantly well when someone a team comes over to you on the team radio and we're getting these sort of team radio messages come through from the likes of mercedes and mclaren it was heavily used today uh, and it's a brilliant insight i'm really glad they introduced it um but when someone comes over over team radio and says you know how many laps have we got left and, and you respond with something along the lines of oh my assumption is it's this much you're, you're the director you don't you don't work on assumptions you're the one who says it's this many laps you know, <laughs> it, it, it's the teams that have the assumptions and then it's your job to either say you are right with that or no that's not how it goes you aren't the person saying yeah i assume it'll go down that way you're leading it make you whenever anyone comes over and i i appreciate there are a lot of regulations and it is a confusing rule book completely get that but if there's one person that should be able to definitively say at any one moment, this is how it's going, it should be Michael Massey in his position. When someone comes over the radio and says, how many laps are there left? It should just be, there are 39 laps left. Here's why there are 39 laps left. If, if you're not inspiring confidence in that position, it's a bit of a worry. So I, I really think they need to tighten that up. It was it was a bit concerning that he couldn't answer with more, uh, with the Perez stuff as well, with a bit more conviction than he was able to. That was worrying. It's like going to the American elections, right? And, you know, uh, the news walking over to the White House and going, hello, Mr. Mr. Biden, President Biden, how are you? Yeah, good, good. We're halfway through the election. Um, can you let us know how many states are left to, to give their, their verdict, please, on the election, please? Uh Oh, uh, five, six? Uh, I'm not sure. All right, okay. Um, we do need to actually know because they'll be running the country for the next four years. Sorry, America, this is pretty very wrong. But I assume <laughs> it's like that, right? You're leading something. You need to be quite sure when you make a decision that affects a lot of people when you're in total control. Uh, I'm sure Jesus, when he fed the 5,000, probably was aware of how many meals he was giving out if that actually happened at all in life. Maybe it didn't. Who knows? Nonetheless, I'm sure they knew exactly what they were doing. I mean, have, that, sorry, Ben. I was going to say, you know, um, have um, have interest rates been raised? Yeah, I assume they have. Yeah, um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you two, you two, single-handedly brought politics, religion, and economics all into this podcast. Well done, guys. We've united the world. Just a, a disclaimer: we do not subscribe necessarily to any of those points of view. We're just using it for comedic effect. Please don't hate us for it. Honestly, <laughs> politics, economics, religion—don't you ever complain that you don't get the full package here at Late Breaking? We've covered off well, the big actually, three. And crofting his underwear slash swim trunks. The big four, yeah. Wow. <laughs> we, we saw oh, after the race. It's a today, isn't it? It ah, uh, I mean, we, it's fitting with the race, you know. We, we've got to, we've got to yeah. live up to it. Um, one, one question because there is a serious point here. The fans, thousands upon thousands of fans, staying around in the awful conditions for up to four hours to receive absolute, well, basically absolutely nothing. 
Lewis Hamilton, in his interview after the race, did make the point that the fans should get their money back. Sam, do you agree to that? Yeah, completely agree with it. And I don't think it should come out of Spa's wallet either. That circuit, obviously, and with any circuit, really, tries very hard to make sure its funding works and make sure that it's able to run these races. I think that um, the FIA and F1 as a commercial entity have enough money and especially with the prize money or whatever I think they should take equal parts out of the prize money or equal parts out of some sponsorship money and give Spa the necessary amount to be able to refund every single person that turned up if you turned up to any event regardless of whether it was sport or whatnot you got to sort see two percent of that and then you got told to go home after being stood in the rain for four hours you'll be criticized worldwide for not giving those fans a refund there is enough money going around in the F1 FIA world. Every single person can have their money put back in their pocket. Um, they're still probably going to be out of accommodation fees, travel fees, you know, petrol, food, whatever. But at least they might get their F1 ticket back. And that is something. And F1 have control over that. And I'll be quite disappointed if they don't, you know, help out the little guy. The people that support this sport and make it successful. The people that watch it. So I think they can definitely reach into those rather deep pockets and pull out a few pennies for their loyal fans that turn up and stick around even in those horrible conditions. Harry, what do you think? Yeah, I, I agree. I, I mean, it is normally up to the circuit promoter to, to do refunds, but I think this is a special circumstance. So I'd hope F1, you know, even if it's not fully, uh, you know, if they work with a promoter to do half and half or something like that. But um, yeah, I think the fans today, well, they saw nothing. Was there, a, I think there was a Porsche, Porsche Super Cup race this morning, maybe, but... Um, yeah, they didn't get they didn't uh, get to watch what they actually turned up for. So, um, yeah, I hope I hope F one and and Spa sort sort out uh, some dollar for those people. Those, I mean, they're going to be drying themselves out for the rest of twenty twenty one. To be honest, <laughs> another rinse. <laughs> I feel I feel so bad for them. Um, I completely agree with what you said, Sam. Full refunds and not a penny of it should come from Spa because it's not Spa's fault. Just like it is in the, in the isn't the fans' fault. You know, shouldn't Spa... have built the circuit there. Yeah, <laughs> should have built it in the Middle East with the rest of the calendar. Um, <laughs> you know, I there should be absolutely no reason that they don't get refunds for this, and there should be absolutely no reason why Spa should have to pay for this because. If, if you are asking Spa to, even if you ask Spa to pay 50% of it, but especially if you ask them to pay 100% of the refunds, it doesn't give off the best impression. But perhaps more importantly, future decisions might be made that are not in the driver's best interest. Because if, if Spa come away from this thinking, well, it's cost us a massive amount here because we didn't get any racing done, if they're faced with a similar decision down the line, do we go green or not? Well... If we go green, we don't have to give away refunds. So from a financial standpoint, I think it should come directly from the FIA. And if they say that they can't do this financially, it's an absolute disgrace because they absolutely can do it financially with the... With the we, we all know they have the finance to do this, so they absolutely should in my book. we take uh, a look at Saturday because we actually had some racing on Saturday interestingly um, yeah. some pretty entertaining stuff so it was intermediate wet conditions all the way throughout qualifying and it was a fairly standard result really Red Bull leading away the two Mercedes of Russell and oh sorry no it's 2021 ignore me um, it was a Red Bull of Verstappen leading away the Williams of George Russell in second uh, and then Lewis Hamilton in third so I don't think many people had George Russell starting on the front row. Sam, does that qualifying lap put that final nail in the coffin for, for Bottas, do you think? I mean, it isn't promising, is it, for Mr. Bottas? He's uh, rocked up to the circuit, a circuit he's got a relatively good history with. He's not exactly like a multiple, multiple race winner, but he's always been pretty strong around Spa, especially in wet weather. Maybe not, Turkey. Um, but... Valtteri Bottas is considered a pretty well-esteemed racing driver. He's someone that can produce good results. And he's fighting for a seat with the man that is in technically the second-worst car on the grid. So, when George Russell decides to let all the other chumps have a go around the track, and he's gone, I'll wing it out, only need one lap, don't bother with me. Um, and Georgie Russ turns up with his brand-new, fresh, incredibly warm intermediate tyres... And absolutely slots it onto provisional pole before King Max decides to go and put it on pole position, which is fair play. It's a fantastic lap. But 
Russell P2 was astonishing. I'm not sure who in Williams called it, whether it was George or a strategist, uh, or strategical, I don't know what the word is. A person in charge of strategy. That's easy to say. <laughs> it's been a long day, folks. Chief um, I don't know. That's the one. <laughs> I don't know if it was George's nan that got him on the phone for too long. He went, nan, I've got to get on the track. I'm running out of time. I feel like George Russell was the kind of lovely person that would give his nan a call every couple of days, you know. Um, but Valtteri Bottas in the mud. He's already got a five-place grid penalty for deciding to play bowling outside of the bowling rink with the barriers up, um, taking out the rest of the front of the grid. And George Russell's gone, yeah, you know what? While you're down, Valtteri, on your birthday, might I add, I'm just going to add the top spot. Cheers. I'm just going to sit next to my new teammate, which is guaranteed to happen now. I'd be massively shocked uh, if it doesn't. And he's six on P2. And regardless of if it was a tyre decision or whatever, the strategic thinking and then the actual guts, the performance, to go out there on that track when everyone was struggling. We saw so many top drivers struggling. Stick it on P2 in a car that has struggled for years was phenomenal. It was absolutely phenomenal. And you cannot, despite whatever happened today on Sunday, you cannot take away the incredible performance of that Williams, on that side of the Williams garage and then what George Russell was able to produce in a last gasp attempt on a, on a pole shootout. It was fantastic. And if we see more of that, if when he moves into a top team, then Max Verstappen, watch out. George Russell's still got that absolute top place that he needs. It was brilliant. I loved it. What, what do you think, Harry? Is there any way that Mercedes can't take him now? Uh, you'd, I'd find it really difficult. Yeah, I saw that someone... It might have been Tiff Nadell, because obviously... Tiff, Tiff. Big Tiff. Tiff. Hooray! <laughs> <laughs> oh, that is a very it's been a while, hasn't it? Joke. Oh. Wow. Um, I don't Probably no one listening knows what that's about. Anyway, um, yeah, I think it was Tiff Nadell saying, you know... What it must be a really tough decision now for Toto Wolf, and I was like, like sarcastically, obviously, um, yeah, and I was thinking, yeah, like what, what's stopping him? I mean, yesterday was phenomenal. I mean, I think even before, um, even before the the P two almost pole, as we like to call it, um, George, both Williams were doing very well, but George was George was absolutely flying. He was out there with Norris in terms of the start of quality before Norris binned it, obviously, but um. Yeah, look, it's, I mean, if it's not already done, it's that yesterday has not hindered his chances whatsoever. So, um, yeah, I, 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 you know, I've seen quite a few things about it's already a done deal and they're just trying to find somewhere for Bottas to go before they announce it, which I, I get, you know, so they can announce it all in one go. But, um, yeah, I mean, if it's, if he's not signed, then, like I said, that's definitely not uh, hindered his chances at all. And if he has signed, then it's uh, it's it's vindication for for that signature, I think. So, um, yeah, I think it just proves we what we kind of all thought that Russell was a top quality driver, and he showed it yesterday. I, I yeah, I, I was in shock. I was in utter shock. I missed it live, and I watched it late at night, and I was just like, "There's Williams on the." And when they had it on the little mini thing, it was so good. They had it on the mini thing, and they actually switched it to the full view camera in quality because they were like, "Oh my god, a Williams might actually get pole here!" And thank God they did because he almost did. But um, yeah, what a, what a lap! I was just completely, utterly stunned by it. Yeah, I, I'll talk about the lap first of all because surely it has to go down as one of the best qualifying laps in definitely recent history. But you probably can go quite. a far back and and struggled to find laps that were that good he was nearly half a second faster than any other car in the first sector <laughs> and uh, you talk about the strategy it was it was a fantastic strategy from the williams guys well originally it wasn't because they sent him out on wet tires and then realized nope that's not a good idea so they brought him back in but what it meant was that he had just two flying laps or well, actually just two laps full stop on the intermediate tires so rather cleverly, they, on the first lap, put a banker in by going, using all the sort of uh, tools that they have um, uh, in the first half of the lap, charged up for the second half of the lap. So for that last lap that we saw where he nearly claimed pole, he would have full deployment available to him. Um, so it was quite clever how they managed that. Uh, and he put together a fine enough lap in the first instance. And then as you would expect on the second lap, he went quicker. The way in which he handled the first court, you, you, you will have noticed if you saw his lap, he went very, very narrow going into Lasor's first corner. 
whereas pretty much everyone else was using the wide carting line, so to speak. Clearly proved pretty effective, because like I say, he was nearly half a second faster than anyone else in that first sector. But even with that, you would expect in the middle sector, he will lose so much time there that it's not even going to matter that he was purple in the first sector. But he did such an amazing job in that middle sector that he was still competitive going into the final sector. And of course, he didn't claim pole, but he was very, very close. The fact that he was anywhere near pole position proves it was such an incredible lap. So really, that middle sector, you would expect him to lose all that time. And he was just so smooth in those conditions. He's he's a very different driver to the likes of, let's say, Leclerc and Verstappen, who you can see are visibly quick by the way in which they drive. Russell is so much smoother. It, it's a different driving style, and it but it works. And it clearly worked yesterday. So, um, sensational lap. In terms of the Mercedes seat and what that does for him, in my, I've been fairly clear on this. In my book, it's a done deal. It, it has been for a while, and I think they are waiting for the time to announce it. So, um, if they are still waiting to make a decision, I don't necessarily think it would have helped much, only because he's shown everything he can do already. Uh, it's that one extra step, sure, um, and it was a brilliant lap, but for me, he's already done more than enough to convince Mercedes that he should be there. And and, and I'm, a, I'm a big fan of Valtteri Bottas, and I'm not actually going to... I won't take anything away from Bottas. Obviously, his qualifying performance wasn't great um, on Saturday, but he's never been a good. He's never been good in those conditions. We, we saw Turkey. We saw Imola this year. He doesn't thrive in those conditions, so it's not exactly new information that he didn't do very well here. Um, but in terms of Russell against Bottas, Mercedes cannot cannot throw away an opportunity to sign a world-class driver or a potential world-class driver, as you might call him, because there are so few of them out there. I, I like Sergio Perez a lot, but he is not world-class. He, he's the step below that. And Mercedes have the opportunity to have two world-class talents in their teams, in their team, and I don't think they can... They, they can't throw that away. They, they can't pass up that opportunity. How many excellent drivers or potentially excellent drivers are there in F1? A handful. Mercedes have the opportunity to have two at the same time. And there's a chance that they might not go that way. I think the only way that Bottas gets that seat next year is if it is written into Lewis Hamilton's contract. And I don't believe that's the case. So I think they have to go with George Russell. Here. But what an epic lap. I mean, he, he nearly got pole position. Max Verstappen did get pole position, but one other driver that probably felt like he should have been in the fight, Lando Norris, very quick in Q1, very quick in Q2, uh, and then, of course, had that massive crash uh, going up Eau Rouge. Uh, he was cleared to race, obviously didn't really have to in the end, but he came away relatively unscathed from the incident, which was uh, a massive relief, considering the, uh, the speed at which he hit that wall. Um... I, it's not the first incident we've seen at that corner. In a very in a relatively short space of time, we've had a number of incidents at that one corner. It's one of the most epic in F1 history, but it is also proven to be one of the most dangerous in recent years. Sam, do you think there is need to change that corner up to avoid these incidents? Something needs to change, doesn't it? As much as I hate to say it, as much as I... Maybe a lot of people going, you know... Uh, it's pure, it's F1, that is so historic. Uh, Eau Rouge is, a, is one of the most classic corners in racing, and I, I, I completely agree with you. It is. It is a an iconic corner where the, the danger, the thrill, the, the skill it takes to navigate that corner perfectly is, is massive, and it really you know, separates the best drivers to do it well. The unfortunate thing about you know, the Radion Eau Rouge complex is that it's not when you hit the wall. When, when, if you if you make a mistake, you spin out. That's not the problem. We we don't tend to see major damage caused by simply just being the person that hits the wall. That's not the problem. The da the damage, the issue, the the health risk, the danger for the drivers comes when when you once you've hit the wall. What happens after you've hit the wall? And that is that the the most frequent occurrence of having an impact at 180 miles an hour with that barrier is you are immediately spat out again across uh, the start of the Camel Strait where it is over a blind crest essentially and you are travelling down that blind crest at 170, 180 miles an hour 
Other cars are coming along behind you. We're very lucky that Lando Norris was on a completely empty track at the point that it happened, and that you know um, Sebastian Vettel was far enough back that he was never going to come near him. But we have seen it in multiple different categories. W Series only this weekend had the issue, but we've also seen it in um, in WEC. You know, both Jack Aitken and Callum Eilat have had issues there as well, I believe. Um, and of course, you can cast your mind back to the awful occurrence um, that happened a few years ago with Hubert. This corner has got some seriously dangerous elements to it, and something needs to be changed with the way that you are impacting the barrier and where you are being directed. Crashing on any corner, statistically, is fine. The cars are well built. We have great crash cells in these cars now, and the safety requirements in Formula 1 and the respective series around that are very, very good. But there is an odd occasion where something can go horribly wrong. We need to mitigate that. So we need to change the direction that the barriers are facing or the way the cars are directed if a car does hit that wall. There needs to be either a bigger runoff area, the barriers' angles need to be changed, something does need to be changed in that back part area of the exit of Eau Rouge um, to stop you then running straight off into the track again and causing possibly another fatality in motorsport, which is nothing we, you know, we never want that to happen again. And safety is king, as much as it is classic, as much as it is great to watch, as much as it is thrilling to see cars go through there. I never want there to be a single percent chance that someone could lose their life. It's never worth it. So something does need to change. And I believe there are rumours that it is going to be changed for next year. Uh, but even Lewis Hamilton said there's now a bump that's happened there that is ruining the corner completely and makes it incredibly difficult to drive. So... There does need to be changes put in place. I'm not sure what they are. There are better people around the world that have more expertise than me on what those changes should be. But I am fully agreeing that there needs to be something happening because the W Series crash alone that happened um, was horrific enough. I had to you know, shut my eyes at one point. It was really, really horrible. So glad to see everyone walk away, essentially, from that. I know I got seriously hurt. But we don't want anything serious like that to happen again. And it could have done with Lando on Saturday. And we're lucky that we didn't have a race today because something could have gone wrong. So, yes, changes need to be made. More runoff, change of angles, something does need to change, unfortunately, but it is for the, the sake of people's lives. So, therefore, it is what takes precedence. Harry, does the corner need to be reprofiled? Um, I don't think the corner needs to be re- reprofiled, uh, it, but it sounds right. It's, it's where the barriers are, and I think it is confirmed, at least for the, the barriers on the left of the top of Radion, they're going to be moved back and straightened so there's just a bigger runoff and it doesn't bounce you back onto the track like we've seen with uh, well with two two accidents this weekend as Sam mentioned with Lando and and the W series so I think that that's a good change but then also on the right hand side of the top of Radion further down at the top of Radion they need to go further back as well because again you know with the Hubert crash we saw cars hit that barrier but then there's not enough runoff and they, they bounce back on um, I did see an interesting point from from Karun. I don't know necessarily if I agree with what he's saying, but um, from Karun Chandok, this is uh, that you know they got rid of the tarmac. Uh, sorry, got rid of the gravel there and replaced it with tarmac, and now drivers are prepared to take more risks, um, which I can see. I can I can definitely see his point. I don't think putting gravel there will, will is better because I think you hit gravel, you end up flipping, and that's worse. Um, but I see his point there. There's so much tarmac runoff run that. Drivers are prepared to take bigger risks going up through that section. Um, but yeah, I don't think the corner itself needs to be changed. It's just moving those barriers back. And I know it's been moved back before, but it's for good reason. But I think it needs to go back even further because, yeah, it's the cars bouncing back on the tracks that uh, onto the track that's the main issue. Obviously, the, the initial incidents are huge, but you have other cars coming up behind you and then they take out what's left of your, of your, of your car, which... You know, any racing car, but F1 cars as well, they're designed to have one big impact. They're not designed to have lots and lots of impacts afterwards. So um, that's a, that's one of the problems. Um, and, and uh, you know, it must cost Spa. Because Spa's so hilly, they have to basically dig into hills to get more more runoff, which I understand is an issue, but I think it does need to change. Because, you know, we've seen accidents in F1, W Series, F2 a few years ago. Um, there was another big accident with Jack Aitken not that long ago in, uh, in GT cars as well so it's not just an F1 problem it's uh, it's all over motorsport so yeah I think barriers need to go further back in my opinion there will always be risk in Formula 1 you c- you cannot take that away it will always be there to some degree and the job of, of safety people is to is to reduce that risk as much as it possibly can but you'll never eliminate it you, you, you never will but my question is, how many times does a crash need to happen at the same corner 
before you can identify it as a pattern. If you have one standalone crash at a corner, regardless of, of how heavy that is, if it's the only one in a five-year period, you might turn around and say it was incredibly unfortunate. You'd still need to investigate it, but you might well conclude that it was a freak accident. That's absolutely fine. But considering the amount of crashes that have happened in a, what, three-year span? It's way too much for it to be coincidence. We obviously had the Hubert and Correa crash a few years ago. And, and then following on from that, we've had the two crashes this weekend. The Aitken crash that you, you've mentioned as well, Harry. These are adding up very quickly in a short space of time which makes you think it has to be relating to, I was going to say the corner, but I think you're, you're absolutely right in saying it's not even really the corner. It's actually the, the, the runoff area. Um, I've seen a lot of people suggest that you either need to increase the runoff area or you need to put gravel in. I would say do both. I, I think absolutely both are necessary. I agree with what Curran Chandot was saying, and I was, I was going to pick up on that if you didn't actually, Harry, because I think he is spot on that drivers would take less of a risk if they know that cutting the corner wouldn't, you know, it, it would end in, in a gravel trap. I think they would be a lot more careful at that corner as a result of that. But yes, also that the runoff area needs to be further back because it is way too much of a risk for them to be spat out back into the racing, onto the racing line in some instances, but definitely back onto the racing track. It, it's not okay to just allow that to continue. They, they absolutely need to sort that out as soon as possible and I again yes appreciate it is difficult they've already gone back at that corner and it's not as easy as just saying let's go back some more but when when safety is concerned you should make absolutely every effort you can in order to in order to make it right it's not like a a minor performance to the corner it's it's people's lives here that are at risk so you need to go the extra mile in order to in order to preserve their health. So uh, I know, yes, you're right. Spa is is already committed to doing some changes to Eau Rouge um, coming into next year. I believe it's related to uh, motorbike racing reoccurring at Spa again for the first time in a long, long time. So um, hopefully there are some changes that are made in line with that that will not only benefit that but will also benefit Formula One. Um, but yeah. Without those changes in place, it's only a matter of time before we get another massive incident that doesn't luck, doesn't result in the same uh, incident that we've had with Lando Norris here, where he's walked away relatively unscathed. It, there will be an accident at some point that is worse than that if improvements don't come along, and I, I don't want to see that day. I, I, I want to see things improved. Hopefully they do so. All right, um... What was your um, who was your driver of the day, Sam? <laughs> oh, it's oh, it's about time you've asked me. I've been absolutely, you know, ecstatic to speak about who could be the driver of the day, and I reckon um, I might have to swing for Bert Mylander. You know, he was Ooh. electric. He led the field brilliantly on multiple occasions, and he just really makes that red crowd stripe Mercedes pop. You know, so for me, Big Bert takes the number one. So you're Bert. telling me. Big Bird. <laughs> He's called Bird. Bird. Good old Bird. Bird and Ernie. Big Bird. Bird. Um, I was I was gonna disagree with you actually, Sam. I was gonna give it to Al- Van der Merv because uh, uh, he did more laps than anyone else. Cracking choice today. He did. Uh, Cracking choice. He did a huge amount of laps. It's see, it's not what we expected to see after four weeks of no F one, was it? Just him pacing around. So, so you're telling me that in awful conditions, Verstappen qualifies on pole, he doesn't lose the lead once, the entire race, <laughs> and you're not giving him driver of the day? Uh, British bias. Sorry, best. Max. <laughs> Did you at any point think that Verstappen was going to lose the lead? No. He was that confident out there. Hey, look, every time he went out on track, I always saw a car in front of him. So doesn't look like a winner, a winner to me, you know? Also didn't get the fastest lap. Well, exactly. Big Mazepin taking that one off him as well. Anyone that cares, this is a big joke. You know, please don't find us. <laughs> Can't believe Max Verstappen was beaten by someone called Bert. 
on a, on, a, oh. on a slightly more serious point, with the fastest lap, of course, half a point w- would have been awarded if someone in the top ten got it. I don't know if any teams did try this, and I'm a bit surprised that they didn't. Do you think any team was basically telling their driver, all right, when you get into the bus stop chicane, give yourself a bit of room to the car in front, and then when you get to the line the next time around, just make sure you're right behind him. I, I'm a bit surprised. I know it's for half a point, but I'm actually a bit surprised no one tried that. Or if they did, we yeah. don't know about it. Maybe that's what Mazepin did. We didn't see it. Maybe he was an absolute legend. No, probably. I not. mean, this will go down in report books. Yeah, when you look up on Wikipedia, the 2021 Spa Grand Prix fastest lap award will go to Nikita Mazepin. He has a fastest race lap to himself now. <laughs> you imagine, like Mazepin's half a point ends up costing Verstappen the championship. <laughs> the rage, the oh. rage that the Dutch fans will have. I think rightfully so in that situation. They'll invade Russia. Well, we're back into politics again. Again. <laughs> <laughs> you get the full package. You really do here at Late Breaking. Um before we before we go, uh just a quick uh note on something that we've just launched or will have launched after uh after we've done here is our new Patreon. So Patreon, if you haven't heard of it before, it's a, um, I guess it's like a subscription service which allows you to gain extra benefits for a small amount of money per month. Um, we've got a couple of tiers up there, £2 per month and £5 per month. It's uh, We're not expecting anyone to. You're still getting these podcasts whether you like it or not and nothing's changing in that respect. But there are a few uh, bonus perks to be had if you wanted to go on to either tier. All, all the money raised in this will be towards covering costs for the podcast. It will go towards improving the content for you. So um, it all comes back into the podcast, so to speak. Uh, and again, there's absolutely no expectation to take it up, but we'll leave the link in the description. Uh, Harry, please remember to do that. Um, and, please. Uh, please, Harry, just for this just for this time. Um, and just check it out, whether you like the perks or not. Um, we're always open to, open to feedback as well. If, if you don't want to subscribe based on what you can see but there's actually something that you would you would really enjoy to be there we'll, we'll take that under advisement so um please do check it out uh, and like i said any any money we massively appreciate from it and it will go back into the podcast and now i think we really are done um with what has been a thrilling thrilling belgian grand prix sam if you wouldn't mind getting us out of here Folks, whether you've enjoyed the religious aspects, the economic aspects, the politics, or of course Crofty in his pants, um, we hope you, this has been a little bit spicy for you, a little bit more enjoyable for you, oh. or maybe you just want to talk more about Bert, because um, he's a wonderful fella. Um, honestly, the race was not too enjoyable. We all had to sit through all that time of watching that. Hopefully, our podcast has brought you a little bit of relief, a bit of fun on the end of your, or maybe a tough Sunday. Um, do get in the Discord. The link's in the description. We, we've got a rather big community there, and thousands of you listen to these episodes, bizarrely. Um, so we appreciate your support massively. And, of course, we're going to be back midweek for the preview podcast of the first ever Dutch Grand Prix at Zandvoort. And when I say first ever, you know, there's technicalities. Uh, anyway, in the meantime, <laughs> I've been Samuel Sage, but a thing's grimacing at me. There's technicalities in that it's not true. It's not true. All right. I've lied. Yeah, fair enough. I've been Ben Hawking. I've been Harry Eid. I remember. Geek regulate. Crofty's pants. Find more great shows or join the team at sport-social.co.uk. Sport Social Podcast Network. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW group. Void prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.